Shall we start with a word of prayer, please? Do you bow with me? Gracious Father, King of our soul, Redeemer and great friend, we humbly come before your mighty throne at this time to ask for forgiveness, encouragement, grace, mercy, and your love, your infinite love that transcends all understanding. We pray that you take care of the rest of our life as you have done so in the past, that you bless our life, our ministry, in rewarding ways, and that we may be able to stand for that which is true, that which is godly, that which is encouraging, that which alleviates human suffering, being ready to offer than to receive, since we have received that much over the years. Bless this place, Lord, its great ministry to the world. Let it touch souls, let it bring forth soldiers, servants, encouragers, and glorify your kingdom in your own mysterious ways. It is in Jesus' blessed name that we pray now and forever. Amen. Thank you for having come to this class. I'm very grateful and thankful. My name is Alexander Meliritos, and together with my wife, Eleni, we serve the Lord Church at Omonia in Athens, Greece, since 1990. I believe that each person is permeated through his experiences and I have been no exception to the rule since before serving the gospel in a more active way. I used to be a navigator, ship's captain on ocean-going ships around the world. And this has molded my understanding combined with the Bible knowledge that I received later having visited 86 countries in the world. And without trying to make a statement for myself, I believe the entire world is one village. And this is how I look at it. Different currency, different languages, different habits, different traits, different recipes, maybe different weather, but same pain, same fear, same tear, same anguish, same injustice through the centuries, same aspirations, same goals, same dreams, same joy when something good is achieved. I believe that which brings us closer together is the fact that from one gene, God has made the world. The word gene is stronger than other words. It has to go down to DNA. But during the last years, let's say 15 years or 20 years now, I've seen the world while joined through social media and internet and uh, emails and, and we can have a, a, every sort of information at our fingertips. We tend to segregate ourselves. Once I was talking to the mirror and I said, if there was a war, third world war, where would you like to be? And I answered to the mirror and said, a remote village right where my wife's home uses to be in Achaia, you know the name, biblical 
place, capital of which back then was Corinth, with a house, a yard, 10 chicken, no more, four rabbits, two goats, not three, two sheep, not four, and hide there out in the woods, praying and waiting. See, we don't want to be in the large crowd because of fear. Fear has nothing to do with our makeup, but the environment infuses fear, fear into our soul. And all the examples we have seen in the Bible refer to fear in regard to communication. A Levite goes through, he sees the wounded man and doesn't go to touch because out of fear, lest he would be defiled, unclean. But we see another one who was not from the same place, a Samaritan, goes and helps. Being far off or near is a question that has to do with our geopolitics, terrorism, where the world stands today. Some say, a cup half empty is a cup half full. But uh, I don't see a bright future if we continue like this. Are you a pessimist? No. Are you absolute? Yes and no. We try to, to, to combine everything within our comfort zone without cost. We know that salvation is free, yes. Discipleship has a cost, but we are not ready to pay for that cost. We don't want to. The least we can do. This is our nature. Even our culture permeates this, our wars, our trade, our, our commerce has to deal with this great world culture. How I do it, how I like it, my way. Look how they eat, we don't eat this way. How they walk, we don't walk this way. How they speak, we don't speak this way. So it's you and me separated. And it's not just here in this nation, I'm a part of. It's all over the world. Sometimes we become a little benevolent and social and we wish to spend some days at another country by taking a trip. We call this either a cruise, a flight, tourism. We go watch how they live without participating in their way of life. Two weeks, three weeks, the flight takes us back. That's it, thank you, we saw it. We do not want to make their sorrows our sorrows. Now, we read in the Bible that he took our sorrows and he made them his very own. Well, he was God. I'm not God. I have enough things to take care of. And I understand you have enough things to take care of. Another way of thinking is to let God take care of some of the things. But God's, as I read through the Bible, I don't want to call it systematic theology, but it's a group of observations while reading the stories of the Bible. One thing is good with the Bible, that God was the same yesterday and today and tomorrow, so we know his traits, we know how he behaves. He doesn't change, and that's good. A cat always behaves as a cat. You will never see a cat to behave at times as a dog, and that's good. You know how you face 
this issue. But God's desire has always, since day one, and even before day one, there are things that are not mentioned in the Bible. In day one, we have the material creation made. He created this, he created that. There's no, no place in the Bible where we know when angels were made. Was Satan created before day one? I guess so. The invisible realm of timelessness. But they were cr created from an eternal God. So since the beginning we see a God who creates the entire world in five days. Mountains, planets, trees, dinosaurs, cats, dogs, everything. And on the fifth day, there arrives the prince, Adam. In order not for him to be alone, he creates a partner. And God comes down to the garden. And he walks with them and he talks with them. God's culture is culture of unity. God wants to be with that which he has created. Don't forget that the Bible ends in this way. Right? In the book of Revelation, there is a multitude. We'll go later through this from what nations, one or many. And God is with them. Now, you may say, well, since everything is good, how come this world has reached this point? Satan is all-powerful. I am um, not reverent to sa Satan, but I consider him a lot. If he can rule such a world through the centuries, he is some mighty person. Until a day that I know. And he comes into the scene... And confuses everything and brings his culture. He gives what he offers. He offers what he offers to Eve. Eve takes it. And then everyone is split. Adam says, God, the partner you gave me was not good enough to keep your command. Eve says, I'm not to blame. The snake gave it to me. God says, now you hold hands and get out of here because this is my place and you cannot be with you. So everyone is scattered and someone is smiling. Worldly culture. But that was not the only event. Um, let's take the example of Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus is ready to go on. And have his public ministry at the age of 30 to the age of 33 and a half when he died on the cross. He wants to be with the Father. John 17, he prays to the Father that they may be one, the disciples, and himself be one as you Father and I are one. Again, the unity factor, culture of God. And then comes again to the scene. Someone comes and says, you bow down and worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms that have been given to me. Given by someone. I saw Satan falling like a lightning from. So. In essence, Satan tells Jesus, obey your father, what for? You are going to sacrifice yourself for these people. Who will give you thanks? Do you, do you know them well? I know them well inside out. No one will thank you. So go ahead. Don't listen to your father who wishes to send you to the merciless cross. Live your own life. After all, you are a young man. Unity of disruption. In essence, no unity. 
Satan says, leave it. You go there, he stays there, his mighty throne, you live your life. And Jesus, of course, answers with God's, his father's word. Man shall not live with bread alone. And, but I want you to see how God unites and how Satan, since day one and until this very day, he tries to, Adam and Eve were happy until Mr. Satan came to the scene. The wife you gave me. So you are to blame. You gave me wrong person. I'm not to blame. I'm eating with the silverware you gave me. Wrong silverware. The mistake is yours. And this is the beginning of chaos. And Cain and Abel and killing, slaughtering, and more and more and more. We see this tree of life in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And then another 64 books, no book of the Bible. I mean, it's gone. And lo and behold, we find this book, this tree, on the last book. Book 1, book 66. And there was a tree of life that brings fruit all the year. Where has this tree of life been throughout our history? We didn't like this tree because we didn't like life. That's it. And we want to believe a lie. We are all like that. We try to preserve ourselves by saying, well, we call our sin weakness. If you ask me, uh, how do you feel in regard to your body? Well, I'm a little well-fed, I'm a little chubby. I cheat myself. The scale says 242. And you're not chubby. That's the truth. You lie. I don't like the figure 242. <laughs> I don't like the truth. This is who you all are in essence. the story of Babel. After man falls from heaven and they want to go there, that's why when we pray we lift up hands. Right? Why? We know where we came from. We want to go back. We like the little kids. They want to go back to their mother's lap. It's the culture that permeates again my understanding. And men want to build this big building, tall building, and make a name unto themselves, not unto the Lord. A name for me, Alexander, me, myself, and I, and nobody else. And we will reach heaven <laughs> our own way. He kicked us out, well, we will go back. But you don't go to heaven on your own terms because that's his place. Right? And since God confuses their languages, the scenario is over. Each one goes his own way. But on a very special way now, God brings back his culture that unites on the day of Pentecost. And there are from all over Greece, from Crete, from Cyrene. Cyrene is what we call today Libya. Phoenicia, what we call today Lebanon. From the Middle East. From North Africa, from Egypt. Proselytes, who spoke these various languages. And they understand, let's not get into that mistake, they understand God's word 
and God's news, God's gospel, in their language. Nowhere it says that the apostles had already worked in the United Nations and they spoke 55 languages. Each one understand God in his own language. And I can bring a proof from what the Bible has to say by asking you some five, six, seven, eight, nine questions in what language did the angel talk to Mary? You will bring forth a child. Hebrew? Aramaic? In what language did the angel talk to Joseph and tell him, get your wife and baby and go to Egypt? And on the way back, now you can go back to your country. In what language did God speak to Paul on his way to Damascus? In what language did the humble donkey speak to the crazy prophet? What language? It's a non-spoken, non-recordable language. It's the language of conscience. God talks to, to, to you right to your heart where you cannot do anything. After all, what is conscience? The Romans had given a good explanation of it. Conscientia est vox deorum in nobis. Conscience is the voice of gods, many back then, in nobis, in us. God tells you, everything is allowed unto you, but not everything is good for you. And then on the day of the Pentecost, this good news, which is the, the, the good news that transcends time, are well known to men. And then people are unified again, brothers and sisters, because they have same father. We use the word Adelphos, brother. Some words have meaning in Greek, in the original language, more than they do in English. And I hope God will help me write this book. There are 1,700 words in New Testament alone that are used today in English. But they give flavor to the idea. Want an example? In the book of Acts, chapters, chapter 238, and with many other words he exhorted them, Peter, saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Right? What does corrupt mean? Well, a Latin root. I understand the Windows corrupt file, that, that cannot be saved, so I delete it. I know of the corruption of the world and uh, politicians and governments and, 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 but what is the real world word? The word is save yourselves from this scolia generation, S-K-O-L-I-A. If you substitute the K with a C, S-C-O-L-I, go ahead. Scoli, scolio, scoliosis, scoliosis. That spine which is not straight, huh? That's what John the Baptizer was talking about. Make straight the paths of the Lord. They had never been straight. That's it. 1,700 words like this. But what a picture. A scoliotic generation is the divided generation, disobedient, like the king of this world wishes. Don't forget that um, God's word brings good news and not bad news. And that's what the angels proclaim at Jesus' birth. Goodwill to man. 
Unity now is restored when God's culture overrides human culture. Apostle Paul was a unique person. A killer, a very tough person, devout, not asking too many questions, unbendable. I would say in the beginning he was an absolute man. And there are values in this world that have to be treated as absolute. A ship is either afloat or sunk. The word baptize means to render something invisible under the surface of water. In this Koine Greek word baptize means that if you can see one inch of the mast of a ship, that ship is not sunk. You have to see nothing. Then she is baptized. So she is either baptized and is down at the bottom and talks to the Titanic and shares secrets, or she is afloat. And there's a, uh, what I used to, uh, as an example, a woman somewhat pregnant. She either is or she is not. Speaking of absolutes. And this man now, who has two passports, a Roman and Israeli and Hebrew, who speaks Greek, who, because he's a Roman citizen, of course he speaks Latin, who speaks Aramaic, Syrian dialect, who has Gamaliel, Harvard, is willing to throw everything behind, consider as trash, and start anew. But his life, when it starts new, is full of disappointment and pain. Shipwreck. King Aretas is after him, so they lower him in a basket. For what he believes God's unity will do to man. So he comes to Athens, springtime of the year 53 AD, before he went to Corinth. And he comes to the Mars Hill, and he sees all the intelligentsia, all the, uh, the corp of the Supreme Court, which is uh, until today called Mars Hill. There are, uh, what, how many, eight or nine chief justices in the states, eight or nine districts. Well, we have one, president of the Mars Hill. And he doesn't say, well, you don't know God, let me show you the real God. He tells them that they are from every sense God-fearing. They loved God, the Athenians did because they had many uh, orators and wise people who trained them and kept them in shape. Maybe that's why Paul didn't establish a, an Athenian church, because they had their own way of righteousness and their own way of doing things as the protocol called for. He sees an altar dedicated to an unknown God and says, yes, Exactly. What you're doing is right. You've not done wrong. Let me talk to you more about him. See how he tries to unite them. He doesn't say, well, I'm a Jew and I know things better. You don't know a thing. You are ignoramus. No. He embraces them. He invites them. And Damaris and Dionysius, the Areopagite, a member of the judicial corp, aspire 
the God who worship unknowingly at the altar there. So God's culture again unites, brings them together. Don't forget that he recites also two Greek poets. He was well versed and well. Um, he had studied a lot. And there were two Greek poets. One was Epimenides from Crete. In his work, Cretica, C-R-E-T-I-C-A, which means that which pertained to Crete. In him, singular, we live and move and have our being. Not in them, the 12 gods, in him. And then he quotes another poet from Cilicia, Aratus, A-R-A-T-U-S, in his Ode to Zeus, Hymn to Zeus, and Cleanthes in Phenomena, P-H-A-E, and O-M-E-N-A. We are his offspring. Do you know what the word in Koine Greek is? It doesn't say offspring. It says we are his gene. Another word we use in English, genetics. Gene means DNA. It's not something similar. It's the same thing. We are God's DNA. How we try to corrupt this DNA is another thing. Satan's work within us. But he comes and unifies them by saying what your own poets have said. We are his offspring. In him we live and move and have our being. Right, right, that's it. Exactly, I have come to this end. And this altar is the number, best altar of all. Since 2015, we all know of this devastating war in the Middle East. We know what the root cause of this war is, where the pipelines will go through. That way, your lot, my lot, this sea, that sea, this country, that country, our allies, their allies, the whole thing. So everything is upside down. And this greenhouse of the Middle East, Syria, a country that provides, used to provide all green, to the Emirates, to Saudi Arabia, they have no greens, no nothing. Desert and oil. I mean, they try to, to, to dig a well to water their camels, and guess what? Oil comes out. So Syria was the one who provided all greens to them. And they have now to leave their country, not as immigrants, like we the Greeks came after the, the war was over to start to have a new beginning, opening up restaurants in the States, but as refugees with the same clothes they were wearing, they went to Turkey, then to the islands, and then to Greece. Greece is close to the Middle East, many, 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 many miles of water front, no borders, no walls, no fences. What can you do? How can you guard all this from the Dardanelles down to Cyprus? You cannot. And they come without pride, without belonging, full of fear because of a religious system that betrayed them since day one, and they don't know what to do. If there would be a congregation to support me and send me to Syria, to Iran, to Iraq, to Afghanistan, to Pakistan, maybe I would be proven unfaithful, I would not go. Even an underground church would mean danger to me. But now, guess what God does? Again, his unifying culture. He brings them to our doorstep. Option one, go back to your country. You are not Jephthites. 
We are not children of Japheth. Option number two, let's see what you know of God. We want to know more about your tradition because Islam has always been a religion of tradition rather than a religion of faith. You are circumcised on the eighth day and you are added and you become a Muslim no matter if you wanted to become a Buddhist. You belong there. What do I do? Nothing. Don't say anything. We act on behalf of you. So no participation, no relationship. For you, God is still up there. He hasn't come any near. He is not in your heart. So you are afraid of God. How can you be befriended to God? And they want to see the difference. How you behave as a Christian. They have heard a lot. They have heard many negative things of what Christians have done to them. Crusades and all these things back then. They want to see this Isa, ISA, Jesus, if he truly lives in you. That's what Paul says, Christ in you. He doesn't say Christ around you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory is being Christ in us. And <laughs> then you are enthusiastic. Let's go one more word because I am a lover of etymology. Do you know what enthusiasm means? N, E-N, is what we have in English, I-N, in. T-H-E. And through T H E O S is God. Enthusiasm means God being in you. If God is in you, you are N Theos. Theology, Theo, T H E O. If God is not in you, you are not enthusiastic. One more word you add it to the list. So. <coughs> They come and they want to see brotherly love. They want to have an, a sense of belonging. They, they have no roots now. That's a despair. Exactly as Peter said, Lord, where should we go? Where can we go? You have words of eternal life. When a disciple says, where can we go? There is an entire world you can go to. But when this world is strange to you and you are a stranger in this world, where can we go? That is a great statement that without God, there is no place. There is no place where to go. And that's why we try to cling to be with him. Oh... Uh, But uh, their weakness brings Christ stronger to their life. Exactly as Paul mentions in the second epistle to Corinthians. Speaking of weaknesses. <clears throat> Have you heard of, a, of Leonard Cohen? The famous singer who passed. Go to google.com and put Leonard Cohen Anthem, Prince Albert Hall, London 2008 or 9. There is a crack in everything, the lyrics say, and that's how the light gets in. Through your weaknesses, God's power is made known. If there's a crack at the pot, then you can see a leakage and you can see oil or water coming through. Yes. And these people have lost everything and they have come and they're ready to accept. But they want to see that what you preach is who you are. And who you are 
coincides with what you preach. Arabs, Kurdish from Iraq, from Iran, uh, and they want to be part of this new understanding of God having come near. By following the rituals and the holidays, they feel that, well, someone else designed this for them, but they have no part. Now they do have a part, and they are united. God's culture unites them with us. There are about 100 souls out of the 200 refugees we serve at Omonia. Since September 2015, when it all started, and they want to dedicate their life to Jesus because they understand that Jesus is far and beyond a good prophet, more than Ayub, Job, Isaiahu, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daud, David, Suleiman, Solomon, Ibrahim, Abraham, Isaac, Isaac. They know the Old Testament. That's their story. They know it well, inside out. What they need to learn is the rest of the story, Jesus and salvation to mankind. And they gladly attend, and they become one. Because God's culture promotes a life of mutual edification, service, purpose, brotherly love. God's promises are common to all, regardless, to all. There are 2,900 named characters in the Bible, 2930, with names. all nations, from the Greek medical doctor, Luke, to you name it. And that's why John says, under the throne I saw a multitude from every language and every tongue and every nation and every uh, ethnicity, every. Well, we say John 3, 16, uh, for God so loved the world, but we mean he loved us, the saved ones, the ones who know us. He didn't love just us. He loved everyone, the told and the untold. Jesus himself says, I need to bring them to make them one flock, everyone. I would like to read to you an epistle. There is unfortunately just one saved throughout the world. Very old, dated 130 AD. It's the only epistle in the universe that describes the early church Christians and their way of life. The early Christian church in the first three centuries after Jesus' re resurrection brought about the most amazing transformation of diverse social and religious cultures ever uh, uh, achieved by peaceful means in the history of the world. How did it happen? What kind of people were these? What was special about their way of living and believing? It would be a mistake to romanticize the early church as an age of purity to which we should seek to return. The churches always had their problems and internal struggles, de facto, a fact. Nevertheless, the early churches as a whole did re represent something different in their world. Different. Underline this word, please. 
It attracted both devoted followers and brutal persecutors. Paul. To see what these early believers were like, let's go to the sources and hear what they were bold to proclaim about themselves. It is the famous epistle to Diognetes, D-I-O, Dio, Zeus, G-N-E-T-E-S, Diognetes, epistle to Diognetes, epistoli pros theognitón in Greek. Here is a gem we are most fortunate to have as only one copy survived the centuries. We do not know who wrote it. It became, it came from the second century. It was like the New Testament originally written in Greek. In this brief excerpt, we have preserved a magnificent description of Christian living in what was expected in the early church community. For the Christians are distinguished from other men neither by country, nor language, nor the customs which they observe. For they neither inhabit cities of their own, nor employ a peculiar form of speech, nor lead a life which is marked out by any singularity. Me, myself, and I. The course of conduct which they follow has not been devised by any speculation or deliberation of inquisitive men, nor do they, like some, proclaim themselves the advocates of any merely human doctrines. But inhabiting Greece as well as barbarian cities all around the Mediterranean, According as the lot of each of them had determined and following the customs of the natives in respect to clothing, food, and the rest of, of their ordinary conduct, they displayed to us their wonderful and confessedly striking method of life. They dwell in their, their own countries, but simply as sojourners. As citizens, they share in all things with others and yet endure all things as if foreigners. Every foreign land is to them as their native country and every land of their birth is a land of strangers. They marry as do all others. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws and at the same time surpass the laws by their lives. They love all men, and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor yet make many rich. They are in lack of all things and yet abound in all. They are dishonored and yet in their very dishonor are glorified. They are evil spoken of and yet are justified. They are reviled and blessed. They are insulted and repay the insult. Are proclaiming, no, I'm sorry, and, uh, and, and, and repay the insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as if quickened into life. They are assailed by the Jews as foreigners, and they are persecuted by the Greeks. Yet those who hate them are unable to assign any reason for their hatred. And the letter goes like this. To sum it all up in one word, what the soul is to the body, 
that are Christians to the world. Question is, where do I stand? Can they see in Alexander this attitude so they can glorify God? Do they see a spirit of God's culture overtaking my being, my life? Or do I want to do things the Greek old way? This is where the challenge is. Singularity, embracing to give glory to God, unity, from his side, yes, he prays that they all be one. He was one with them at the end around the throne. He is one with them. Satan is the one who says, no, do it your own way. You don't belong to him. You have your word, your, your say. And this is the world we enjoy. But it's not difficult to become one and embrace. You will not change their IQ or their level of uh, studies, but you can be a brother, a sister to them, because when they see love, they appreciate it. These people who came to our door belong to another culture which is family-oriented. Number one, they appreciate the people of older age. If Eleni would be 30, now that Eleni is about 60, she's Mama Eleni, Mama Judy. Judy spoke, that's it. Different culture. One, the family decides. God decides. Or then why do we sing? We're part of the family that's been born again. Part of the family. Are we? Thank you. Thank you for having come to this class. May God bless you richly.